So you know the story of Jesus and the woman at the well, and Jesus really confused her. He asked her to give her a drink, and she said, you're a Jewish man, and I'm a Samaritan woman, and that just doesn't happen. And then rather than clarifying things, Jesus confused her further when he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And she's really confused at that point in time, but there was a transformation Jesus described. She was confused and resistant. I don't really want to engage with you because this isn't right. And he said, there would be a transformation in you. You would actually be the one asking me for water because you think I'm crazy to, off to ask you for water. But if you knew something, you would be crazy about asking me for water. And the thing that she didn't know, Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, something would change in your life. She was unaware of the gift of God. And oh, how different life could be if we understood what the gift of God is about. Do you know the gift of God? So it's bigger and it's better than any of us have imagined. Paul describes the gift of God as an unspeakable gift. Like you can't even describe it. Jesus says he, that the Father longs to give good gifts to his children. It's available. He wants to give it. Do you know the gift of God? What I want to do today, um, spiritually, is imagine like we're, like we're a bunch of kids gathered around a Christmas tree, looking at gifts and just imagining what's inside. I want to explore what God has for us, the unlimited possibilities of the gifts of God. If we open those up and fully took in what God has for us, what would be inside those packages? God has good things for us, and we're going to look at one general way God gives gifts, and then 12 specific gifts He gives. So let's pray, and we'll look at the Scriptures today. Father in heaven, thank you for giving. And I pray today as we just think about some pretty basic stuff, that you'd renew in our hearts a desire to receive what you have for us. And I pray that we would hear you in a way that is specific to us. If there's a way we lack today, I pray that you would give in that way. If there's a specific reminder we need, I pray that we'd see how good you are. And in Jesus' name, amen. So a general answer to what is the gift of God is, if it's good, it's a gift from God. The scripture Amber read for us said, every good and perfect gift comes from God. So that is a very broad understanding. If you got a good thing in your life, that was a gift. Paul says to the Corinthians, um, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you didn't receive it, why do you boast as if, as if it was yours? Like everything was given to you. Paul preached to the Athenians about this God, and he says, it is him who gives life and breath and everything. He gives us all things. I read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this week, a section that is really a masterful fundraising pitch from Paul. And I've been thinking about fundraising because we're raising some money for our gym floor. And so I was reading this thinking Paul was good. He had the right things to say about raising money. He was collecting money for the poor in Jerusalem. And he, he says things like this. Hey, I've been boasting about your giving everywhere I go. That puts some pressure on. 
And then he says, so when I come, I don't want my boasting to be in vain. So they feel pressure to give. And then he says things like, God loves a cheerful giver. So he's reminding them it's not just Paul who wants them to give. God loves to see them giving. And he says, I'm writing to you in advance so you can make preparation. So you're not scrambling to get a gift together. You can actually make a good gift and be prepared for it. So Paul has these, these great fundraising strategies, and he gets done with a bunch of verses, like 20 verses on the Corinthians giving. How do you think he closes his pitch? You think he focuses on their wealth or their generosity or the need in Jerusalem or how close they are to the goal or even maybe just simply by thanking them for their gift? He doesn't do any of that. The last line of this section of his letter says the words, Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. And that, that's a great thing to read in the Bible, but it's a strange thing to read after talking about people giving. Like, he's saying, you give to this thing, and then he closes it by saying, we're going to praise God because he's the giver. And if you go back, this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. In verse 11, he says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, through which we, it'll produce thanksgiving to God. So I'm enriched so that I can be generous. So in Paul's view, he said, every contribution you make is made because God's been good to you. So if you're able this year to put a present under a tree, it's because God is generous to you. If you're able to contribute to a fundraiser or a need or a mission project, if you're able to give a good gift, it's because God has given that good thing to you. And that just reminds us every single good thing is the gift of God. Maybe we need to just hear that, that if there's something good in my life, God is the giver of that thing. I want to highlight 12 specific ways. I'm going to go quick because 12 is a lot. But these are incredible things that the Bible says are gifts from God. Eternal life is a gift from God. So this ultimate goal of living forever is what God freely gives. Romans 6.23. There's a lot of verses. So I'll remind you if you want to write all these down. I do have them written down. They're on a sermon blog. And there's actually a lot more verses than this if you want them all there. So Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe that's the gift you need to be reminded of today. God gives good things. One of the good things he gives is to people who are dying, he gives eternal, perfect life. I'm so excited for that. I'm looking forward to living forever without sin. Do you know the gift of God? Do you think about the reality of eternal life as you struggle in this temporary life? That's a gift from God. God gives the gift of repentance. So actually, our turning to God is a gift from God. He's good enough to call us to him. John 6, 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent him, uh, hang on, I got to turn around. <laughs> no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. God calls us to him. And there's scripture after scripture that talks about repentance being granted to this group. God calls us to him. 
So when you feel a call in your heart, maybe during this church service, that's a gift from God. Don't just throw that out as, as a feeling. God is calling us to him. He's gracious, and he wants us in a relationship with him. Faith is a gift from God. Yeah, it's also a command, but it's, and it's a fruit of, of living with God, but it is a gift from God. We can nurture it, but we can't create it. That's why the disciples prayed in Luke 17, 5, um, Lord, increase our faith. We want more faith, and you give it. Increase our faith. Maybe that's the gift you need from God this holiday season. A new heart is a gift from God. You can do all kinds of stuff to improve your life, but a new heart is a miracle. To actually have transformed desires and appetites, to love the things that were boring to you and be repulsed by the things you took sinful pleasure in, that is a miracle from God. And we see that in Ecclesiastes 36. It says, verse 26, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. God is good enough to transform the sinful heart inside of us. Another gift is righteousness. So actually, when I do something right, that's a gift. Every time I make right action, right choice, right decision, that is a gift from God. Because righteousness doesn't come from anywhere else. Scripture says there is no one righteous. No, not one. It says your righteousness is like filthy rags. So when you make a right decision, praise God that he gave you the gift of righteousness. He takes the sin and replaces it with the righteousness of Christ. And one of the places here in Romans 5, if you read Romans 5, like starting in verse 15, you read the words free gift over and over again. And here's what it says in verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I want righteousness. It comes from one place, the gift of God. Victory over sin and death is a gift from God. So sin and death are the natural condition for humans. First uh, Corinthians 15 has this beautiful picture of resurrection, all kinds of thoughts of resurrection. And then it says near the end in verse 56 and 57, it says the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. It's a gift from God. If you want victory over something, because there's something in your life you probably need victory over, how do you get that? Well, trying hard is nice, but to get it, it's a gift. So we could be seeking God, saying, I need victory in this area, knowing that that is a gift from God. The Holy Spirit is a gift, and all the fruits that come with the Holy Spirit says in Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Like just to imagine what, how good God is, He put Himself in our hearts. The Holy Spirit, He said, I'm going to give you my Spirit. I'm going to produce good fruits if you're willing to let me live there. What a gift. We see that Ministry is a gift. So, 
The ability to serve others and contribute in meaningful ways is a gift. And it's not a gift from me or you. It's a gift from God. Andrew's ability to go out down and minister to these people in um, Palawan, that is a gift from God. Our ability to do children's ministries and, and Christmas concerts and these things, that's a gift from God. Paul actually said to the Galatians, I'm doing this great ministry because God gave me the gift to do this. In several places in Scripture, we have long explanations of spiritual gifts. Gifts we have of hospitality and generosity and these things we can do. My ability to contribute in a meaningful way is actually a gift. And it says in 1 Peter 4.10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. The very ability to do good to someone around me is a gift of God. Enjoying life is a gift from God. So I could say, apart from God, I don't need God. I'm just going to, all I'm going to do is just enjoy life and die. You'll fail because the gift, the, the ability to enjoy life is actually a gift from God. You can't just make a decision to do that. It actually takes a gift that we have to, have to receive. And we see this in Ecclesiastes, a couple places. In Ecclesiastes 3, 12 and 13, it says, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live so that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So if you have joy in your Christmas season and something you're doing this week, that's a gift from God. You could plan all those things and still be miserable, but God is the one who actually gives joy to the heart and helps us enjoy life. And so wisdom is also a gift. You can study and get really smart, but wisdom comes from one place. And in James 1, 5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Rest is a gift from God. I could take some time off or get a massage. <laughs> I could do all these things that, that equal rest, but the rest I really need, it only is received from God. And this is what it says in, in Matthew 8, or eleven twenty-eight. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. It says in other places, hey, it's in vain that you, that you get up early or go to bed late. It's actually in vain because God gives rest to those he loves. It's God who gives sleep to those he loves. God is the one that gives the rest we need. It's a gift from God. What's inside that package? It's rest. God gives that. God, finally, this is the last one, God gives himself. The gift of God is not complete in piling on things. He loves us so much, he actually gives himself. That is the gift of God. It's not something he can ship with Amazon and say, here you got it. He actually gives himself into our life. We see this lots of places. One is Galatians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. He gave himself. And that is the clearest picture of a God of love we, we have in First John. This is how we know what love is. 
We wouldn't even know what love is other than God giving himself. So we've reviewed some pretty incredible gifts of God. How do you need to receive from God this Christmas season? If you imagine that, that package and you're thinking, what does God have for me? He has every good thing. He has incredible specific things. What is it that he has for you? And, and could you be transformed like the woman at the well? If you knew the gift of God, like how much he wants to pour into your life, would you be transformed from being reserved and looking at Jesus like you're kind of crazy to pursuing him with all your heart and say, please give me some water because you have good gifts. Well, I came across a, an article online and it itself was a gift because it actually, I was preparing for this sermon and it popped up on my browser and I wasn't even searching for it. And I read the headline and I thought, that kind of goes with my sermon. So this is what I read, um, an article, that uh, a story that happened last week. And it says from uh, CBS, this is how the article began, the first two short paragraphs. It says, last week, two servers at the Bentonville, Arkansas restaurant got a shocking gift from their customer. Grant Wise, a business owner, uh, was dining at Oven and Tap. And he tipped his servers a whopping $4,400. And one of them, her name was Ryan, Ryan Brandt. Uh, she said she thought she'd be taking half that home, splitting it with the two servers, $2,200 in cash. And, and then she said, I was definitely thinking, she was shocked and overwhelmed with joy and gratitude in that moment. And as soon as she realized what he was saying, she, it all sunk in. So she gets this gift. She's going to take $2,200 extra dollars home tonight. And then it turns out that restaurant management said they had to split the tips. So splitting the tips with everybody. And she, she had gotten his number and she told him, hey, I, I wasn't able to keep the, the money. Because he checked ahead of time with the restaurant management to make sure they didn't split tips. Because he actually wanted to, to tip those servers. So he came back. And he took the money back. <laughs> and then he waited till after the shift and he gave it to his servers. They messed up, didn't they? <laughs> Turns out that she actually got fired. The restaurant doesn't claim it had anything to do with this, but she got fired. She got her money. So I read the story and my preacher brain was thinking about all the illustrations like, man, if we don't use the gifts, maybe God will take them back. Or, um, or you know... Uh, she was given a gift when she was serving. That's a good sermon right there, right? All these ideas, like with God, uh, we don't have to worry about tip splitting. He has unlimited resources. So all these ideas were going on in my mind. But the main idea that came out was so clear in the story and so clear with God is that the giver knows what in is intended for the gift. Like, if you want to know what the gift is for, ask the one who gave it, right? So the restaurant didn't really know what the gift was for. She didn't know what the gift was for. But the man who gave the money, he had an intention for the gift. He had excitement behind it. He has a reason for doing it. So if you want to know what the gift is for and how to use it, look to the giver. And, you know, I could look to all other kinds of other places who could tell me, you know, this is actually why you are blessed. Use it this way. Do this. But if I really want to know the gift of God, I should become intimate with the heart of the giver. So God gives 
these things. The woman at the well, she was confused. She said, hey, give me this water, and then I won't have to keep coming back here to draw water. And God's, God, who knows the gift, is thinking, that's not what I meant. You're thinking I could give you unlimited physical water. But I actually know the gift I have for you is way better than that. So he took time to say, no, that's not what you get. You get a spring of water inside of you. And we come to God and we have these ideas like, man, if you bless me with this, I could do this. But how much better to go to God and say, why, God? Why have you given me this energy, this ability, this talent? You know, God actually knows exactly why he gave you an outgoing personality or he gave you an artistic eye. He knows exactly what he could, you could gain out of your time of discouragement or suffering. He knows the gift he has for you, and he's the one who can use that gift in the best possible way. And we see this in our own gift-giving experience. If you're a parent, you've probably done this, or you've observed it. So the, the child, when they're opening the gift, they have excitement because they don't know what it is. The parent has excitement because they do know what it is, right? And so they open the gift, and, it, and the parents bite their tongue as long as they can. But usually what happens when someone gives a gift is they have to interrupt their excitement and explain, hey, I thought this would be good for you because the other day you were saying you needed this, and then I saw this. And they explain the intention of the gift. Like, I wanted this to be used for this reason. Because no one knows the intent of the gift like the giver. So the encouragement I have for us today is see God as a great giver, but come to him with a prayer. Come to him with the prayer that says, God, what do you have for me? Now, maybe it's one of the things I listed. Maybe you need the gift of repentance. Your life is just going in the wrong direction. Or maybe you need the gift of faith. You are just struggling to believe. Or you need a new heart. Maybe it's one of those. Maybe it's something completely different because God gives every good thing. But just ask him, God, what do you have for me? What, what is inside the box you're handing me? What do you have for me? And then when he points you in the direction of what he has for you, and he convicts your heart, then you say, God, since you're the giver, how can I use this for your glory? So we're going to seek to know the gift of God by seeking to know the giver. And we're going to experience God's gift in the full glory of the way he intends them to be received. So let's close our service here, receiving some gifts from God. We're going to close in song, and then there'll be a benediction.